listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Who's this? Who is that? Did he play Tarzan? Is he Tarzan? No. no. He could. Uh, we're thinking he, of. He would be we're, good. We're thinking of the. We're thinking of our greatest hits here. What are our greatest hits? Mm, it's not Spartacus. My greatest hits. Spartacus? No. Huh? It says Burt Lancaster in his understudying for his role as Spartacus. Okay. Which, good. Where he was, he was cruelly denied. He's but cruelly you could denied. See he would what? have been a much. Uh, oh, 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 so this is a kind of a vindication for Mickey, who asserted falsely that Burt Lancaster actually played Spartacus. And you're telling us now that he auditioned? No, I'm making up shit. This is a picture of him bare-chested in a pirate movie. Oh. But it kind of looks like you could see why he. I thought he would be Spartacus, right? It's a totally understandable mistake now that you show me that ridiculous and irrelevant picture. Yes, I totally get it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm living in my alternative universe where Burt Lancaster was Spartacus. How is it in that universe, Mickey? It's, it's happy here. And why are you dressed here. up in it? Why are you wearing, uh, lapels? Because this is, this is our last thing. And I it thought I would go out with class. It is I thought I would go out thing. with class. It, this is like you who seems to have watered off the street. No, I have special garb. I'm going to dawn for the parrot room part. Special garb. Okay. Uh, so this is, yes, this is our last regular weekly thing. Uh, you will, uh, we think, uh, come back and visit us occasionally, special occasions and so on. And I should add, there will be a Friday podcast featuring me and Persons Unknown, a, a slowly coalescing group of uh, semi-regulars, this, I, I think. Your your yeah. big weekend symposium was your chance to sign up Megan Down. Close the deal. I, I I close that deal. I close that deal. She can't get out of this this deal. I okay. mean, she 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 better have a good lawyer if she's not going to come on my podcast. Because she said um, she looked me in the eye and said, "I'll think about it." So she's yeah, she's solid. She's yeah. solid. You have to you have to lock her up for repeated podcasts. You can't let her can't let her welch out after. Well, this she one. she said I'll think about it several times. So that's at least three, right there. Okay. How was that weekend, Bob? The special super elite conference that you weren't invited to, you mean? Yes, correct. It was great. It was unbelievable. Uh, and yeah. Uh, well, you can tell us at some point, maybe in this podcast, maybe in the podcast. Maybe the I'll give room. more clues in the parrot room where people have what, paid for it. What this you learned in your fabulous artificial intelligence panel at this fabulous conference um i learned that uh france is doing some open source models and sold one to some arab country was it uae or somebody so somebody you know the, the, the cat is getting out of the bag and the person who said this confirmed that you know if france is going to be releasing open source models into the wild there's not, you know, much point in the U.S. regulating the open source models, which confirms my longstanding assertion that if AI is going to be meaningfully regulated, it will have to be at the international level. With intrusive inspections. 
unprecedentedly intrusive. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, intrusive inspections is not a good band name. So it's not, and it's actually not something I've applied to AI. You're alluding to my uh, biotech uh, global governance obsession, which remains yeah, thoroughly yeah. intact. My um, my favorite AI angle of the week is that Sam Bankman-Fried, who is about to go on trial, mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot to be said about him, but there's a series of very good columns by Matt Levine of, I guess, Bloomberg. Yeah, I think which so. Which are paywalled, and everybody raves about how wonderful he is. He is really very, very good. Mm -hmm. And the point he made in his last one is that uh, Sam Bankman, you know, all these guys, they, they, take, they take their customers' money, they bet them wildly in speculative things, and it, it comes crashing down, okay? And then they wind up in, in, in jail because they thought to have stolen their customers' money. But, uh, and this happened to Martin Shkreli, remember him? Uh, he the, was the, he was the, he was that punk guy who, who, who uh, bought a drug and started oh, charging yeah, yeah, thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. of dollars for it. Yeah, he yeah. went to jail for a scam and it turned out his last big gamble with customers' money paid off, okay? So he paid off all his customers. Nobody was injured, but uh, he, went, he to went to jail anyway. He went to jail because it's still fraud. Yeah. It's still fraud. Anyway, um, so Sam Bankman-Fried has that problem, but one of his investments may come in. Uh, uh, the one in Semaphore? Bob, I hate to, the one I hate in Semaphore? To say it, it's, it's, it's not the one in Semaphore, Bob. <laughs> I, I don't think the one in Semaphore is going to generate the billions of dollars. They're doing their best. They're resorting to McCarthyism in hopes of drumming uh, okay, up. Okay, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The, uh, mm -hmm. But uh, no, he invested early in Anthropic. Ah, uh, no, which it's is, in the running. Uh, one of the yeah, several AI yeah. powerhouses, which just yeah, did a deal. So, Amazon just agreed to invest up to, up to four billion dollars in in Anthropic. Right. So they're, well, they're not so they're not cash poor. So the the FTX customers, like many of uh, who was the big pyramid guy? See, this is how senile I am. Madoff. Madoff. A lot of his 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 primary customers, I think, were made whole. So it may it may they turn were? out that well, wait, no, they, not they, all they, of them, they, not all of them. The they, ones at the top, all, of the, no, list, no, the ones who lobbied hardest. No, I think the set the ones that the ones who were directly invested with Madoff, I believe, were made whole. The ones that invested in brokers who then invested in Madoff, maybe were not made whole. Okay, but, um, well, uh, but they, they, these these creditors are incredibly aggressive at grabbing assets these days. Yeah, and you know they're about to roll up enough of Sam Bankman Fried that uh, you know eventually they may actually be made whole, depending you know, on how they anthropic can't. Does they it. can't. The money's not there. Uh, oh, you mean if the anthropic thing comes back yeah. big time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. only like he only he needs he needs like eight billion dollars or something like that, and but presumably you know, that won't. So. I don't know how liquid that will be. How soon? You know, like uh, it's not it's not right. yet a publicly traded company. Right. The other thing is. Um, uh, he at one point uh, tried to buy off Trump to get Trump to drop out of the race. Explored and Trump the, had a price of $5, five billion. billion. Why didn't he pay it? Jesus, talk about effective altruism. That would have been the investment of the century in the short term and that's the long not, term. That's not what you actually, were saying then, Mickey. You were voting for Trump then. Uh, he had to stop people like me. No, it was to, <laughs> no, if he was to stop him from... Running again, I believe it would be have been after this 2020 election. 
Oh, before now. the indictments, because maybe after it's the not too late. After the indictment, no, now that he's indicted, he wants to be president so he can pardon himself. So it's How much would it late. take to get Joe Biden and Kamala together to step down and agree not to run? Do you uh, think we could crowdfund that? Another Corvette. Yeah. With a hotter engine. The mid-engine Corvette. There you go. Um, the, uh, uh, Biden and Trump's numbers are getting down so low. Both there was them? a Reuters poll. Both of them, they're in the low 30s in a Reuters poll, okay? Well, what, what does where do that the tell you? go? Undecided? I mean, do they give them more undecided, than two choices? 14% go to Kennedy, 90% are undecided. I mean, they're, you know, they're, 1% are too stupid to answer the poll. I don't know. They, it, they, that Those are so low that they make you think any credible third party candidate could actually get traction and win this fucking thing if you could get on the ballot. A third party uh, candidate. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, Cornel I, I, West I'd always is thought, now saying. I'd always, been, I'd yeah. always, but he's a spoiler. He's not going to get 30%. I'm talking about somebody who's not a spoiler. We don't think of as a spoiler, but a Ross Perot guy who actually we might think of as a credible president who might actually win. Do you have any names in mind? Perot himself is dead, I believe. I believe. Uh, and Sass. <laughs> um, who's. The only people I can think of who are universally respected are Taylor Swift and Bruce Springsteen. So I don't think they're going to run. So the question is, which one is president? Which one is vice president? I think Taylor Swift is president. Hate to uh -huh. tell you. The boomers are aging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, uh, well, that's a thought. Um, you know, it's not crazy. It's it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Um Mm, but I don't have a name offhand. We'll, we'll brainstorm in the parrot room and come up with someone, and you and I will pull our resources and offer them money. Where is Father Hesburg when you need him? Good question. And that was a shout out to Father Daly, who uh, is one of our readers, Where have one you? of our listeners. Yeah. Who, who thought our discussion of foam parties was the highlight of our tenure. Yes. It was pretty good. He, he was with us till the end. He remains with us. He'll be. He'll be. He'll be tuning into the parrot room uh, t tonight. The, there's nothing better than mansplaining a phone party to Bob Wright. That was really. Was that the highlight of your? It's, it's better. It's better than explaining baseball to Englishmen. It's really pretty good. Well, I know I enjoyed it. Plus what is the it? party. The the uh, itself. What is it? That you was get, great. You get in the room and there's a bunch of foam. Is that? A, that's all there is. Oh. <laughs> well, it okay. turns out no. That's not all there is. And speaking of uh, Matt Gates, Mickey, uh, where should we start? This is actually, you know, this has actually been a politically jam-packed week. Shit we have is like happening. twenty. We have like twenty things to talk about. Have you you, you talk have about. what you've long wanted—a president who will actually get a border wall built, Mickey. Well, Joe he, Biden. He's, he's already withering under assault from the left and the ACLU and Mallorcas, who said the wall was essential yesterday. Last night, said he was taken out of context. In no way is he going to build a wall. So I think th they mm. obviously would like to do some some bogus feint that sort of convinces, they think will convince enough people that he's serious about the border so that he can continue sleucing millions and millions of people in. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he has announced that he's going to deport some Venezuelans uh, and going to deport people who pass through a third country that the, where they could have claimed asylum before they reached here. I'll believe all that. I'll believe all that when I see it in scale. I believe he's going to send a plane load of people to Venezuela. Will he send fifty plane loads? Will he actually 
send back thousands of people to Mexico who passed through a third country, Mexico, where they were safe. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, the, the media just says, oh, as if it's a done deal. Oh, he's going to do this. Well, he, in the past, he said he's going to do things. And then you go to the border and he's letting them all in. So yeah, but, but saying it has to be verified. Saying he'd build a chunk of wall was new, right? A new thing for him to say. Well, he has built chunks of wall before, and but he made an announcement and he waived 34 environmental re- and other regulations to do it. So that's what was new, the waiving of the mm-hmm. regulations. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the sort of thing Trump would want to do. Uh, so um, that that seemed to be a, a major statement, but then they sort of walked it back. So they're they're in the same, you know, boat they were in. They uh, they're they they seem to think. And this and maybe I'm maybe this theory is crazy that letting in all these people will somehow hold down inflation. Now, we talked uh, about this last week. I think you're totally on the wrong track. I think he's thinking politics, not policy. I mean, I think last week, in the of long, course, in the long term, in the long term, he's dead. You can't think of long term. In the long term, Trump has won won the election and well. Democracy is over, according to Larry Tribe. The idea that the immigration policies he implements today could have such a meaningful impact on inflation within the next 14 months that it would impact his chances of getting being pres- getting reelected. I, I don't that- know. I, I, for example, there, yeah. there's the employment statistics out today, there were all of a sudden 300,000 new people in the labor force. Right. Gee, where did they come from? You think that has something to do with the 300,000 people who walked across the border in the last six Wait, months? Wait, I thought there were 330,000 uh, more employed people, but did the labor force right, also the, expand by that much? Well, no, but the, where, where do all these employed people come from? Or are they are they that effective at drawing Americans out of the woodwork or are they these new arrivals? Uh, I don't know. You know, do it's you three, know? It's, sorry, it's 300, three, 300 a month almost that come across the border. I think I think I think immigrants are joining the workforce very rapidly, and and Biden actually changed some regulations to give them work permits earlier to get them in the workforce more rapidly. Uh, I think he thinks, that, yeah, you know, but, and, and even but even if you my read guy, the headlines, Mickey, this would by your lights backfire because what they're saying is this is too many, uh, too uh, you know, too good a news on the unemployment front. So the Fed is going to have to crack down, and that's going to, you know. This is just right. this is no, just too much I, of a is, triple bank is, shot I'm all the way around. I'm not You're, saying I'm not saying it's smart. I think it's I think it's how he rationalizes letting people in. And also it might not backfire in that if wages go down, maybe the inflation results that everybody expects from the surge of employees will I materialize. Just, I just think he's not playing 75 dimensional chess yeah, and he's yeah. thinking about two things. One is making sure he gets the nomination and isn't unseated at the last minute. The other is making sure he wins the general election. Uh, and I mean, I know that last one kind of figures into your triple bank shot scenario. But the thing about the border wall announcement was, you know, last week, my explanation for what we were explaining last week, which was his uh, allowing these Venezuelans to uh, g- to get long term employment in the U.S., was that he was appeasing a constituency within the Democratic Party because he was feeling insecure about getting knocked off the ballot. Uh, Then when I heard he was going to build the wall, I thought, well, I guess he's pivoting to the general election. But it's actually hard to separate the two because the better he looks in the polls against Trump, the less likely he is to get kicked off the ticket. So it's all mushes together, you know? And so it could be be that this is a twofer, the the, the kind of border wall hawkishness. 
And it's, it's he, uh, you know, he at, at, at best, he's going for, for a sort of Phil Hendry message. You know who Phil Hendry is? Phil Hendry no. was a, a, talk, a, a, a brilliant talk show host in Los Angeles. He's still alive. I'm not sure he has a talk show. And he would do a, he would do a talk show where he would interview characters who were like local NIMBY activists, okay, opposing projects and stuff. And he, he sent out his message on two levels. There was one level where the NIMBY activists would hear the NIMBY activists and say, damn right, they shouldn't build that building. But then there was the higher level of his more sophisticated listeners who realized it was all a joke and he was mocking the NIMBY activists. Uh, so maybe Biden is trying to get a message where somehow those on the right see the wall story and people on the left see the fact that, you know, he's he's giving work he permits earlier. Uh, I, I, that never works in politics, but he may be trying that. Okay. I thought you were going to say people on the left say that, Joe. He's always making jokes about the wall, but that, you didn't the, mean it quite like that. The, and there, was a, there was a study. This is actually the important point of the week. There was a, uh, a study showing that uh, life expectancy has plummeted for Americans, but a specific sort of Americans. White uh, the males Princeton in the guys, working class? No. Uh, well, Angus? It's worse, it's no, no. Angus Angus Deacon says it's non-college graduates, but that's not quite right. Dylan Matthews of Vox uh, wrote a piece saying, no, it is high school dropouts. Have, they're, they're the people who have, whose life expectancy is just like dropping like a stone. It, it, it's not just people who are, didn't graduate from college. If you graduate from high school, you're not in this terrible group. So there is a particular group, the people who compete with Latino immigrants for jobs who are have seen their wages stagnated and they, they have trouble getting jobs. They have trouble getting respected because they're not winners in the mm -hmm. meritocracy and they're dying, Bob. And, well, and it, you know, the, the long-term consequence of letting in all these people are those people who are white working class, high school dropouts and thrown in the dustbin of history are going to die. Okay. It's a well, terrible policy. I mean, first of all, I'd like to look at the numbers. No, no small number of people who drop out of high school, I suspect, have problems like substance abuse problems, it's not very hard to get through high school, Mickey, if you want to get through high school. And uh, I suspect well, that a, a number of these people have the kind of problems that in any event would augur, augur an, an unhealthy, uh, you know, future. But and there's a, there's I, I'm, a sure, I'm sure, you're, you're, you know, there's some truth to what you're saying uh, in, in, the sh in the short term. There's, uh, you know, there's a there's a comp there's a composition effect, which is that Fewer and fewer people are high school dropouts. So the people that are still high school dropouts are the people with the right. worst problems. Right. Uh, but still, uh, you know, it's people have been predicting this for years. And, uh, you know, Charles Murray wrote a pretty convincing book about it, about how. Well, he wasn't talking. That wasn't mainly whites, about immigration, which is what you're attributing. No, the, all but of the it white to. story, the white, the white, the book about how whites are, are dividing into the uh, yeah. fish town and the well, that's different. You know, there was a, he, he was making them sound so hopeless they couldn't they couldn't get jobs. <laughs> well, the fish town people, the fish town people are dying. Yeah. Well, that would be an argument. Maybe it's an argument for you, but the, it's clearly happening. It's clearly a bad thing, and it's clearly exacerbated by immigration. Uh, I saying. didn't know how much of that is how clear, but but go ahead. Um, so. Anyway. Uh, what so this Kevin McCarthy thing? This this unprecedented. Uh... Well, the the big the big mystery is, uh, every you know, it's now very difficult for them to pass a package of Ukraine aid. 
because all the, the candidates that are left, Scalise and yeah. Jim Jordan, who was just endorsed by Trump, don't like the Ukraine aid, even though a majority of the Republican caucus probably does, uh, and certainly a majority of the Congress does. Apparently, they have to somehow bring, they have some veto power. And so Biden now, he, everybody thought he had a deal with McCarthy to you know, pass the continuing resolution, then you have a separate, without the Ukraine aid, then you have a separate vote on the Ukraine aid, and it'll pass, okay? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe he had the deal, maybe he didn't. He was much more likely to get that deal with McCarthy. He's much less likely to get a separate vote with these guys. So if defending Ukraine is the most important thing on the planet, because it only if Ukraine wins can we preserve Western democracy, why didn't Biden help McCarthy out? Yeah. Obviously, there were some other things he thought were more important. Well, is it him or was it or was it Congress's uh, decision? Whose decision was they only, it? They only needed 10 people. He's the head of the party. They only needed 10 people to abstain. Yeah, and but McCarthy Hakeem Jeffries, won. I got a feeling if Hakeem Jeffries felt strongly, uh, you know, he has some agency. And so Biden, for that matter, to the 10 members, Biden, you know, Biden couldn't Biden couldn't talk to Jeffries and reach some sort of deal. Saying Ukraine I don't is know. Important. I think Biden's kind of out to lunch. He's 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 he's, he's as we used to say, senile. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, you know, Bill Scherer, uh made the case uh, on the uh, highly regarded DMZ podcast talking to Matt Lewis that the Democrats absolutely should have uh, helped McCarthy out because they're definitely going to get something worse than him. Pretty definitely. And and but but what Bill was emphasizing was that now they're more likely to get a government shutdown of some duration. And Bill, to get back to, you know, your uh, assessment of the upcoming election, worries that that will have bad macroeconomic effects. The shutdown will be long enough to actually hurt GDP. And that'll come back to haunt Biden uh, right before the election. But in any event, I'm not sure he, about that. In any but event, the, the, the arguments I heard for not helping McCarthy was, well, he did this to us. He did this to us. He did that. Okay, that's why you're pissed off. But why is it rational not to help him out? I, no, I didn't even hear. Was anybody talking about that? Or was it just people whining about how offended they were by his past behavior? Oh, Gates was talking about that nonstop. No, not Gates. Whether I'm, he, I'm, talking about the I'm talking about the Democrats. Oh, the Democrats. Oh, the All Democrats. The, they kept oh. saying, but McCarthy did this to us. And McCarthy did that to us. Well, okay, but like, what is a smart strategy? It, it reminds me I, of Ukraine very much. It's like completely emotive and devoid of rational analysis. I I, I agree with that. That is, it's uh, it's petty and and it's unbelievable. It's, it's making making second order concerns dictate the first order action. Uh, anyway, it looks like we're going to get Jim Jordan. That's your bet, because Trump endorsed Trump endorsed him, and Scalise has cancer. So. Uh, Hmm. Well, other people, uh, other other hats may get thrown in the ring, right? But you think with Trump's endorsement, no. that's it? Yeah, I think it. I think that's it. The um, the other well, um, that's definitely bodes the, ill for a couple of things, right? He's pretty hardcore. Bodes ill for Ukraine aid. Uh, it bodes ill for avoiding a shutdown, probably, right? Because he's going to demand serious spending cuts, right? In exchange for keeping, but the he government. wants to grow his majority, so he he knows that if. If they shut down the government, they're going to be blamed and it's going to hurt them. I mean, I mean, you know, there is a situation which is unbelievable, which is Republicans are ahead on all the issues. They're way ahead on the economy because people remember the good Trump years. They're ahead on on uh, crime. They're ahead on immigration and they're managing to blow it. 
instead of expanding their majority in the next election, they may maybe they'll lose the House. I mean, it's it they may lose the House this time. What I'm scared of is somehow the de- the Democrats cut a deal with enough Republicans to make Jeffries the Speaker. Doesn't take many. There's always the threat of that, and, uh, I, and I'm always how wrong. How many but- Republicans could stomach that? I mean, if it were a different Speaker. I don't know. I'm he only needs five. He only needs, he only needs five of a couple hundred. Who would who so, would those be? People in extremely safe know. seats. No, people in unsafe seats who want to uh, who 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 want to be you know who are, who are uh, red state people who are elected from blue states, from blue districts. Okay. Uh, swing voters, moderates. I think. Well, Maybe but I mean. But but they have to worry also about being primaried, right? Right, but maybe they can switch. Maybe they can be an independent. Maybe they're maybe they are maybe they are safe even if they're party, you know, for their nomination, because the Republicans in in their district might be so moderate too. You know. Well, I was thinking, what about the Democrats settling, uh, uh, helping, you know, a relatively moderate Republican. Uh, get the get the job. Who who promises them a few things in exchange? I mean, they they right, only but, need about ten Republicans to sign on to that, right? Right. But they haven't they found this. Different. They haven't found this moderate Republican yet. It wouldn't be hard and, to do better than Jim Jordan from their point of view. Right, but the election is Wednesday, so they're as early as Wednesday, so mm. they're running out of time. Um. Uh. So it. I, I guess that's all I have to say about that. I mean, um, okay. Uh, it, it, uh, I, you know, I, I long for the days of, uh, see, this is the, see, this is my point about Biden. You can, you can be physically senile and trip over everything mm-hmm. and you can be very forgetful. Like I just forgot the name of, you can't remember that it was made off. Tom, you were, I just I, I, bailed I, you out of a deep, deep. You You're about to bail me out again. Tom, the Speaker of the House, the one from Texas who was the exterminator. Oh, shit. If you hadn't said no, that. Anyway. The guy who was on Dancing with the Stars, are you sure he was a Tom? Tom no. DeLay? No, yeah, Tom, Tom DeLay. There you go. I mean, Tom DeLay ran a tight ship, man. During welfare reform, while all the senators were all grandstanding, oh, I don't know if I'm going to vote for this bill. I need this position or that. Delay just delivered his votes time after time. Those are the no, days. no problem, no fuss. And how about Those that Sam Rayburn, Mickey? How about that Sam Rayburn? Why, when we were young, I don't know that much about Sam Rayburn. So, except that he drank with LBJ after hours. Um. So, uh, Ukraine, little Ukraine. Sure. Uh, and I have a, I even have a point to make about Ukraine. Well, why don't you start out with your point? No, you go first. The Black Sea Fleet is retreating. Yeah, the Black, the Russia is relocating uh, much or even maybe all of its Black Sea Fleet uh, under under duress from Ukrainian missiles fired from the Odessa vicinity. So it's gonna, that's quite a quite a you know a climb down for Russia. I mean that Sevastopol is is almost like. That you know, that's where the the Black Sea Fleet was, is almost like what the seizing of Crimea was about, and all subsequent events, right? I mean, it, it was after the 2014 Maidan Revolution, 
or coup or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, he was worried that that was going to be the end of his having access to Sebastopol as a, as a port. That was a big deal. And now he's largely abandoning it uh, and moving the fleet around uh, some of it to uh, Russia per se, pre-2014 Russia, and some of it to the east side of the Crimean Peninsula. That's big. I mean, it's I don't know how big. It's embarrassing. for, for uh, so, so what were you going to say about the war? Well, um, you know, uh, first of all, uh, this week they're, they're, they're forecasting rain. This could be the beginning of the rainy season. Uh, and things start to slow down. Um, you know, I, I think last time we talked, I said, okay, so the battle of the, is it Verbova? Is, is that the name of the town? Is about to begin. Uh, but it didn't even begin because the Ukrainians weren't able to even seriously get it started. I mean, that's the town right where the Suravikan line was, quote, breached, okay? That's the first thing on the other side. It's like spitting distance from the line, and they have not been able to advance on that village. So the breach has led to no progress beyond the line so far. Um, and just generally, the lines aren't moving, and this is uh, settling in on people. And I actually want to play you something because you know, people are saying, well, Biden, you know, aid is in trouble because of Matt Gates and this and that. Well, actually, aid is more deeply in trouble. I don't know about this tranche of aid, but a lot of people are starting to say, wait a second, the lines aren't moving. A ton of people are dying. <clears throat> We're sending a lot of money. Uh, every day the war goes on, some kind of escalation could happen. Why is Biden not pushing the Ukrainians toward the peace table? A lot of people are, are saying that. And I want to play you something. Uh, th this is from Ben Rhodes, who was like progressive blob central, even though he apparently coined the term blob. That does not keep him from being in it. Um, and, uh, you know, he th this podcast he has with Tommy Beter, which I, I, I listen to often, half hate listen to it because they are so blobby. And because, I mean, I, th I think they're blobbier than they feel sometimes because they know all these people. They worked with Tony Blinken in the Obama administration. And so they tend to be apologists for them, even when you can tell they are a little unsettled by some of uh, the policies. So you'll like this because it gets into the border, too. He Ben Rhodes here is identifying the border as uh, one of the two big problems uh, uh, Biden faces and the other um uh, being Ukraine. And, and I just want to emphasize, like, this is from within the te Biden team, in effect, that you're hearing this. This isn't Matt Gates. And here it goes. We're in government. Sometimes you get stuck in a place where people are looking at your big ticket items and they're like, where is this war going in Ukraine? We're shipping all this money over there, all these weapons, all these Ukrainians are dying and, and there's a front line that's not moving. And they're looking at the border and they're seeing the numbers rising. And so I think, you know, in Ukraine, there has to be an effort to begin to describe, and they've been reluctant to do this because of not wanting to get ahead of the Ukrainians. He's going to have to start to talk about uh, how does this end? And just saying we're in this for as long as it takes, I'm not sure that's like a message that that the electorate is going to want to hear exactly. They're going to want to- I mean, John Kirby got pressed on this today at the podium then. He's yeah. like, well, isn't this just another forever war? And like that's uh, uh, it's not right. It's it's different. It's not the like a uh, like a twenty year old war on terror. But when you say we'll be there as long as it takes, it sure sounds like one. <laughs> you know, it, to your point. If, that, if your if your message for how this ends is we're there as long as it takes and the front line's not moving, 
that's just not going to work politically. And right. so right. Uh, there has to be some discussion of, of, the, of an end state in Ukraine, where this is going, or what is the sustainable level of support. And on the border, like I, there, he's going to have to go out and yeah, I, I think he has to put forward like a comprehensive set of policies that describes like what are we doing with border security, what are we doing with migrants who are here, uh, how can, how do we bring more order to the asylum process, um, but also importantly. I'm not going to agree with Petro. Like, sure, you can't blame the U.S. only, but I think President Biden going on saying we are going to, you know, suspend these sanctions. You know, Cuba doesn't need to be on the state sponsor of terrorism list. They're not a state sponsor of terrorism. Uh, some of the more comprehensive sanctions on the entire Venezuelan economy. Yeah, so at the end, he was hitting a theme dear to my heart is that these ridiculous fucking sanctions that only immiserate the people we're supposedly helping are, you know, they're bad in their own right, and they are contributing to at least some extent to this uh, exodus. Anyway, the point is, you know, I, 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 you know, as I've been saying, I mean, I wrote a piece for for the non-zero newsletter a month or two ago called "Biden's Ukraine Quagmire." He he is he has got a problem. Uh, you know, you realize since and look, since this is our last thing, and they're you know, I obviously I hope people keep tuning in every Friday. There will be a dazzling array of great minds, of course. Um, but some people are, are uh, Mickey fans and may not be. Uh, and I want to I want to say, while I have your attention one more time, at the risk of seeming uh, to say I got this right. Um, in December, I wrote a piece for The Washington Post, uh, you know, almost a year ago uh, saying, look, the situation on the ground ain't going to get any better, probably. It's time to try to do a deal. And Biden should use the leverage to push Zelensky to do the very politically difficult thing, I acknowledge, uh, of moving toward, toward peace talks. And, and Biden should be happy to be used as Zelensky's excuse, okay? Now, as you know, uh, my, my message was not well received. Chris Hayes said, you know, you just can't. It's, you know, the, 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 the Ukrainian people have suffered too much. They're just not ready to hear this or whatever. Well, they've suffered a lot more now. Uh, you know, since since then, since the beginning of, of the year, since January 1st, Russia has gained more territory than Ukraine. Ukraine, it's a net loss of territory for Ukraine. What? Tens of thousands more dead, lost arms and legs, devastated infrastructure. Um, but okay. I, I agree. Uh, but and it's it's interesting that people at the close at the center of the blob are saying it's about time to do that or past time to do that. But if if you were in Congress, wouldn't you vote for another round of Ukraine aid? If we're going to pressure them, we need to have I, aid. I would as leverage. say, I would say, uh, if Zelensky stands up and says, "I'm ready to talk about a ceasefire with Putin," yeah, you'll get your aid. And if you're not ready to say that, you won't. Why does he have to do it in public? Well, well how else private, are they going to get a guarantee? If there's a binding guarantee of some kind that doesn't involve a public utterance, fine. But but if I'm in Congress. I, I have no reason to believe any vague assurances I get from Biden or Zelensky or anybody else. And I want them to I want to hear some real uh, something actually reassuring that something's going to change, because this is as odd as it seems that we have to rescue Ukraine from itself. That's the situation. Its own politics are driving it toward extinction. Well, it's. Uh... I mean, I, I, you know, we could, you could pass the aid and he says, I've got to go public in a month. And if he doesn't go public in a month, you say, OK, the aid's on hold. I mean, the aid gives you a lot of leverage. Um, uh, well, some, so, anyway, the point is I would make it conditional. I would demand that if I were okay. in Congress. But so the point is we're not with Jim Jordan. We're not saying no. enough of you, n enough, enough aid for 
Ukraine, we have to spend it on ourselves. No, that's uh, never it, been my whole way of looking at this. Oh. And can I just say one more thing since this is the last time? And then I'll shut up, I swear. I just want to emphasize, uh, like, no, almost no one in the American blob takes international law more seriously than I do or takes more seriously the importance of reinforcing the norm of abiding by the law against invading other countries. But, but because we have violated that, norm, that law so many times, there is relatively little normative value to be gained, again, the norm of complying with this law, by our enforcing it this time. I'd like to, I'd still like to, I'd like Russia to retreat entirely. I'd like Putin to pay more than he's going to pay. But you got to be realistic. And Russia is a lot bigger than Ukraine. Russia's ongoing supply of armaments is not contingent on the vagaries of politics in other countries the way Ukraine's is. Any sensible person with Ukraine's interests at heart is going to say, even if they care about international law, we got to start moving this thing toward closure. Uh, here, this may be a constructive suggestion, maybe not. The Institute for the Study of War, the prestigious Institute for the Study of War, which is, of course, completely neutral and nonpartisan and isn't pushing any particular line, uh, has a well, long piece up on its side. Some of the most neocon warmongers in all of America are right. He has, they, have a piece, they, they have a piece up on their site pushing their line, and their line is quite clear, uh, and it's a very useful piece to read because it, it, represents the, you, it represents the view you are against and I am against, uh, which is there is no path... There is no path to real peace other than helping Ukraine inflict an unequivocal military defeat on Russia and then helping to rebuild uh, rebuild Ukraine. Uh, it is, anyway, it is a society so strong and resilient that Russia can't attack it. So it has to be a defeat so, uh, so devastating to Russia that it's going to disabuse them of any of their territorial ambitions. Um, and what if Biden said... Uh, rejected this view in public, said, look, I want the aid, but this is not what we're going for. We're not going for an unequivocal defeat of Russia that forces them to reassess Putin's entire worldview. Mm -hmm. it, uh, wouldn't that help? Uh, would, that, would that just I, alienate I, I, so many supporters of the war that Ukraine would collapse? No, I think it would help. I think if he said we're, we're, we're looking for something that is in Ukraine's interests that will keep it the, the strongest in the long run and that will provide it with security guarantees and that uh, will leave Russia in a situation such that nobody's, nobody's going to take a Putin as inspiration for repeating the exercise he just embarked on. This has been a setback for Russia in a lot of ways. Uh, and obviously, in most scenarios, there would be at least some ongoing sanctions on Russia or something, some penalty they continue to pay. I, I mean, I, you know, uh, God knows they didn't want Sweden and Finland to wind up in NATO. There's a lot of things that are resulting from this that Putin absolutely yeah. did not want, and he stuck with them. Uh, yep. Uh, I also think there's one sentence in this thing that seems to be it's the weak spot of their whole argument. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as long as the their, their argument that is that sort of Putin will, you know, use any negotiations to to launch further as a, a you know a pit stop before he launches other words, as long as the Kremlin cherishes the hope of success, with any which any face saving compromise settlement would fuel, it will continue to seek 
overcome setbacks in a way that make renewed war very likely. Well, why why is it true that any face-saving compromise preserves the hope of success? You could easily imagine a compromise that saves Putin's face in public, but in fact, this makes it clear that he doesn't have the military power to pursue all his dreams. Uh, you know, he gets his face-saving compromise and he gets to survive, but in fact, his cherished dreams are crushed. Uh, it's a logical hole. And they don't argue that it's true. They just sort of stick that in there because they realize the logical hole exists and they sort of throw a bunch of putty in there to patch it up. But uh, I think that's the problem with their argument. So so are you saying is, isn't there a way to make sure that he cannot renew the war and uh, acquire they, more Ukrainian territory? Yeah, yeah, they say that any 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 deal which leaves him with part of Ukraine as a face save, maybe he gets the Donbass, maybe he gets, I don't know, something else. Uh Will uh, will produce more war because he, he will keep his cherished dream of conquering Ukraine and all of Europe, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And um, uh, that logically does not follow. No, I mean it's, it's not it's not true that that you you could easily leave him with the Donbass, but disabuse him of the idea that he's going to conquer Europe. And his 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 forces have not been successful enough for him oh, to look. continue to enjoy this dream of. Conquering Europe. He has he has no serious aspiration of conquering Europe. I think the, the big question is Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't want to give up any more territory. They don't even want to give up the territory he's already got. And it is a challenge uh, making them feel secure and be secure because, uh, you know, the one option, NATO membership, is something NATO doesn't find attractive so long as it's a frozen conflict with, in effect, disputed borders, which, you know, not unresolved borders, that's now. You can, I guess, imagine if Ukraine said, okay, he wins, these are the new borders, maybe you can imagine NATO saying, okay, then you're in. And not and, and, and one inch more, if he takes one inch more territory, he has attacked the NATO nation. I suppose you can imagine that. And then people are talking about various things you know, short of that, that would that would amount to uh, security, meaningful security guarantees for Ukraine. But I don't deny that it's a challenge, and I'm not an expert. It's something that that has to be part of of getting Ukraine to accept anything is what is if, make them feel and be secure. What about a, the Korean solution, which is you put enough of our troops as a tripwire, not enough to threaten Russia in any way, like a few hundred, yeah. yeah. But if they're overrun at the border, Russia knows that it's in a war. So well, will... I think that would, in effect, do it. Is it politically feasible in America? There would be a lot of questions raised about it. Now, in principle, there are uh, West, other Western European uh, countries that might do something like that. I mean, British troops would probably serve largely the same function. And those Brits seem pretty enthusiastic about this kind of thing for reasons I don't totally understand. Um, they, they, they've become, they've been pretty hawkish, I guess, since Tony Blair days or something. But, um, anyway, uh, something creative has to be done, but right now, and, you know, and look, as long as I'm, uh, glorifying myself, I also said before this offensive, don't do the offensive, play defense. Well, the offensive has been a big mistake. They have, they have lost a ton of the equipment we gave them. And the casualty exchange ratio is probably in something like one-to-one, -one, which is very bad for Ukraine because Russia has so many more people. Uh, the offensive has gone nowhere. Russia has gained a little territory here, Ukraine a little there. 
And I just think Ukraine is more vulnerable than they were uh, four or five months ago. This thing just is not headed in a good, and they're vulnerable again to the vagaries of politics in Western Europe and the U.S., which aren't looking auspicious, all of which was predictable, that the enthusiasm for arming them would subside with time. But we don't, we don't know for sure that Biden's people aren't reading these tea leaves and going to Zelensky and saying, you know, reading him the riot act. Uh, well, we, they're I mean, not, he, they, he, I, I'm sure, not I'm public, sure their attitude has so changed. What? I'm sure their attitude has changed. They obviously weren't uh, applying much leverage as of a few months ago because they have the leverage. If they were applying it, he would change his tune. You'd, you'd hear it. Uh, there are certainly people in the administration who I'm sure are counseling pretty wise stuff, like Bill Burns at CIA. Uh, maybe Jake Sullivan. Uh, after that, it probably gets less likely. But um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I would in, uh, finally just, just, uh, recommend, uh, <laughs> something else related to me. Uh, the, today's non-zero newsletter has this transcript of a conversation, um, I had with Lyle Goldstein, who is a, uh, um, a, a, an expert on China, military affairs. He taught for 20 years at the U.S. Naval War College. And uh, it's worth looking at. He says we're basically making the same mistakes with China that we made with Russia that, in his view, made invasion more likely, not less. And it's worth... He also, in describing how a war over Taiwan would go, convincingly argues that it would likely go very badly for us and specifically identifies the mistaken assumptions that underlie the more optimistic scenarios about how it would go for us. Walter Russell Mead wrote a column about foreign policy in the Trump's second term where he said Trump might well cut a grand bargain with China, uh, which is an interesting possibility. Uh, yeah, if he's, you know, if he's capable. But look, you know, look at the way he approaches these things. He went to North Korea and had this like, PowerPoint that he'd used to sell somebody condos. It's like, here's your glorious future. You know, if you invest in Trump, <laughs> and the guy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's just, well, I think, it's I think China clown. knows what China knows what its glorious future will be, um, what they want it to be. The problem is that it's not looking as possible as it was uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, I so. think you could cut a deal with China in principle. Uh, but the political environment is not conducive to it. And the funny thing is Trump's own constituency is less conducive to it than it is toward making overtures toward Russia. I'm I'm not conducive to it. I like I, I'm I, you know, there there's, you know, in the electric vehicle department, there's this wave of Chinese electric vehicles that are so much cheaper than the overpriced things that Detroit wants to sell us. Uh you know, $30,000 for a nice little runabout as opposed to $55,000 for an overweight pickup truck. And mm -hmm. uh, they're, they, they, haven't, they haven't imported them in part because they're scared of provoking a backlash. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a 27.5% tariff on it. There was a woman from some foreign policy think tank who said, we should just raise the tariff to, I, I assume, way above 275 to 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 percent uh, in order to keep them out. And that actually is kind of appealing to me. I think, uh, you know, I, countries don't give up their auto industry. No country will give up its auto industry. And we're, we are no exception. 
no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the big issue uh, with China is the microchips from their point of view. Uh, but um, yeah, somebody uh, had a good idea. It was what? Dan Dresner had a good idea. It was, it was like at least if you need an overture, at least relax the Trump tariffs that were like on farm products and stuff, which has done base, which have done basically no good for anyone in America unless you count like more expensive food is good. Uh, and, you know, if you're going to I think start, it's the same. I think it's yeah. I think it's the same proposal. I think their law allows us to reallocate the tariffs between goods. Mm-hmm. So you, I think she was this writer was arguing for taking it off the farm products and putting it on autos. OK, adding on to the autos. So they're there. These two brilliant ideas are not uh, disharmonious. Um. um so now we've, the, we've, co- we've covered a lot of ground person. here. We've covered a lot of ground, but that's the kind of guys we are. We're young and vigorous, and we get shit done. Um, uh, there's a, there's a. Yeah, I can briefly discuss the campaign, and then, and then we can go to the paradigm. Yeah, I want to allude to Semaphore's uh, McCarthyite campaign against uh, Rob Malley and others. I want to allude to that, but we can mainly save that for the paradigm. Okay. Um, uh, I wanted to bring it up too. I don't. I don't know. Since we're both going to agree, I don't know how. Uh, well, no. I. I I'll tell you what. Uh, so anyway, people don't know. Uh, you know, Semaphore ran this piece about this Iranian influence operation, which is basically just indistinguishable from every other government in the world that likes to cultivate uh, people and you know influential elites and 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 convince them that its perspective is valid and it talks to them and like that's it and now it wants to well, they tar were, uh they weren't the, paying they weren't paying them that's the key line that that was not crossed in that piece there was no evidence that no, Iran was paying no. off these people and, or and, employed these people and the quotes taken out of context i want to talk about at least uh the one from Ali Vise, which I alluded to last time, I have since uh, uh, since saying basically on on faith that I doubt he did anything remotely incriminating. Since then, I have gone back and read the whole email from which that quote was taken. I'm more confident than ever that there's just nothing to it. Uh, you know, this is McCarthyism, and it's and it's being predictably picked up as such. Here's a quote from Ted Cruz. Who, by the way, I've always thought bore an uncanny physical resemblance to Joseph McCarthy and even his delivery and everything. Anyway, he says, really? rep- yeah, he says these reports and emails suggest a vast Iranian influence operation that goes to the very top uh, of the administration. It's funny, vast, vast, the word, vast, you know, the phrase a conspiracy so vast is Joseph McCarthy's famous phrase. Um, but uh, so it's being picked up like that. The question I think is, so look, Ben Smith, editor of Semaphore, is overseeing this whole thing. And an interesting question is, is it just that he'll do anything for traffic? Or I suppose someone come up could come up with a third option, but the two I would like to dwell on are, is it just that he'll do anything for traffic? Or is he ideologically motivated? In the parrot room, I want to talk about uh, some bullet points on his resume that suggest there's possible ideological motivation. He, um, uh there were some things. There were some things in the in this in the story that troubled me. So you, in the paradigm, you can answer those things too. Okay. I mean, I may uh, or may uh, not. I haven't. I haven't read every word of all the the, uh, the whole but, thing. Um, but, um. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So I and I had a you know. 
I had, I had a related tussle with Ben Smith that I think I may have only gotten a draw out of. Did you engage? What, you interacted with him on? Uh, well, he's he 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 used that as a jumping off point for saying everybody's questioning Jay Solomon's sources. Uh, well, you know, we just learned that uh, you know in the leak of the IRS tax records that it was leaked by uh, during the Trump administration, one of them, not by the Biden administration. And the answer, you know, the answer uh, on the right would be, so what? I mean, there's a deep state in the IRS of liberals that leak for tax returns of rich people because they want to tax them more. I mean, that's that's obviously what happened. And and Ben Smith sort of wrote the piece as if it, he didn't even recognize the distinction between the, the reasonable theory that liberals in the deep state leak stuff and the crude theory that Biden himself was saying, let's mm. I order the IRS to leak stuff. So, um, so this uh, is a whole separate semaphore piece. Is that all right? separate piece? And he, uh, okay. and he, um, no, it's just an aside by him in his in his newsletter. Uh, oh. And 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 the motto is uh, he eventually corrected enough so that so that his position seemed to make sense. And the um, the rule on Ben Smith is with enough corrections, his pieces asymptotically uh, approach the truth. Uh, but. Um, it takes a while. He doesn't actually have the evidence in the actual piece. It takes him four or five iterations of corrections to come I mean, up with the evidence. You know, I, I like him, and I think I have a higher regard for him as a journalist than you do overall. I haven't. I, I wouldn't say I've noticed him to be particularly error prone, but <laughs> this is not the first time he's been uh, involved in a story that's a little bit like a hit job coming from exactly this ideological direction. He's incredibly, he's incredibly sloppy. He has a nose for news. He's usually right, very smart, sees nuances, but he's sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Okay, okay you have the last so word on that, Mickey. Um, okay. And uh, what else? Oh, so also in the parrot room, uh, we want to, we should talk more about SBF, Michael Lewis's book. I haven't read the book, but I read an excerpt. And he's taking, he's taking a little heat. Michael's taking heat. Is this yeah, his, has he ever taken heat before? How's he holding up? We should go. Uh, well, he took some he took some heat recently for his uh you know piece about that linebacker. Uh so he's taking he's 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 taking two bouts of heat I, in a row, but I thought that uh, was more the movie the book. than the book that took the heat, I he, thought, on that. We we, we, we he took yeah. some heat. Okay. We took did he did he portray it correctly in the book? The um I'm on his side. I, th I think um, you have to read the book to see if he makes a case, persuasive case that SPF isn't as evil as people think. They wanted him to write bad blood. They wanted him to write, you know, the piece about that proves that the villain was a villain. Uh, and he didn't do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, this Matt Levine in Bloomberg doesn't close the close the door on the fact that SPF might be acquitted either. You know, he, he, he could have I, I, I thought. I don't see I don't see on, how you can't convict him of fraud, but I, not that I've done a deep dive. I don't we'll either, talk about I don't either but I don't, I don't, I don't know enough. Maybe, maybe the book explains it, but um, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's a live issue. Um, uh, no, don't you I think we point, should? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about things we're going to talk about in the parrot room now. Right. And or it not. seems to really me like we should spend a certain amount of time dwelling on the greatness that has been us. I don't want to spend a lot of time with that, but um, okay, I'll do that part. I think that's uh, 
That's like that's what that's what the all in podcast does. Every other podcast is how great we yeah, are. Yeah, but you get to do Fuck it when that. it's your last fucking podcast. Fuck that. Fuck it's that. like you get to you get to say nice things about people at their funerals, right? I've I've chosen the schlockiest goodbye song I could find. Oh, I'm gonna that sing. I'm gonna that sing is... a goodbye. I'm gonna sing a couple of bars of a goodbye song. Oh God! Are you okay. gonna sing? Are you gonna sing yours? This is starting the to sound is, good. The pet. The parrot is going to sing it, Bob. The parrot always improves these songs by like about 80%. Yeah. Anyway. So what else? Um, what else? Uh, you, you're going to like bring up, you're going to make this like conventional parrot room, like uh, investment, like child tax credit? Yeah, run through the tape. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. You don't stop 10 yards short of the tape and start celebrating. You know? <laughs> no, you start. Uh, oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I have a, there, it's become clear to me that we're going to we're going to see a revival of a of a trend that previously moribund that involves very cold temperatures. That's all I will say. Uh, cold. There is a there is a no. There is a um. Uh, Jonathan Turley applied a, a a third world concept to Biden corruption, which I think is very useful, but doesn't have the consequences that Turley thinks. Uh, there's uh, Michael Lewis. I got that. There's uh, I want you to describe more of this wonderful conference you were at. Uh, there's Gavin Newsom, Senator. I have one minor point to make about that. Uh, there's uh, another article finding an evolutionary purpose for homosexuality. Mm. Uh there is uh, a very art article, a very art film made by Christopher Rufo defending Nixon. There's the Salvation Army uh, meeting its Dylan Mulvaney moment. My God, uh, how long is this going to go on? Well, there's a lot of stuff. It when will be are we going to for... celebrate the greatness that has been us? It'll be Leave going on for, for that. You... Leave time. Mickey, this is what people you can do want. That. They want you us can... to reflect. They want they want us to reflect. They want us to share their grief. These people are grief stricken. They're rending their garments. <laughs> Internationally, you can hear the sound of the garments. Stop and listen. Just stop for a second. Listen. Hear that sound? Bob, that is Bob, garments was, being rended. What was the last line of Roger Angel's piece uh, explaining or rationalizing why Ted Williams didn't come out of the dugout? dugout Except cheers from the crowd after his last at bat. He had to go to the bathroom? Because that could be God's, us. Gods don't make house calls, Bob. Whoa. Now, this is a different <laughs> rationale from the one I thought you had, Mickey. And we're moving into different kind of self conception here. Hmm. Uh, gods yes, that would be a grandiose. That would be our party message. Grandiose. So our parting message to the patrons who have supported us faithfully with our hard-earned money and would like us to share some reflective time for them, our parting message is, gods don't make house calls? <laughs> really? It was sort of a joke. Um, I don't know that you're ever going to escape that one, Mickey. Um, anyway, um, I, Roger Angel escaped it. It was a stupid line. He obviously should have come out of the dugout. He was an asshole. Right. That is a form of, that that really is a form of self-absorption. You know, it's like it's all like gold in my ears line. Don't don't be so humble. You're not so great. 
Right. Exactly. Leon has a joke about that. That very line? The cantor who falls to the ground and says, oh, Lord, I am nothing. I am nothing. And the rabbi goes, look who thinks he's nothing. Yeah. This this was last featured in the parrot room, folks. We're doing some parrot room highlights. Okay, we have some leakage. It's not too late to join. Listen, it's... It is too late to join, I think. No. Oh, wait, is it? Is it too late to join? You've paused payments. Oh, paused yeah. payments. I got an email. Too late to join. Um, Never mind. Okay, well, that's that's plenty to talk about, and there's more if we run out of time, which we Oh, will. you know what it's not too late to do is become we a paid subscriber to the non-zero newsletter and access it that way, Mickey. Glad you reminded me. Okay. That, that shows the, the true marketing genius you are that you pretended to just have forgotten that and thought of it. Right. At the last minute. I know. In fact, it seems so natural, right? Yeah, this is it's just the in your PowerPoint It's the quality of my marketing genius that people comment on. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. Well, so uh, listen, well, let's, smash let the like the button, folks. It, it's your last chance for a while, although we do think we'll be back together. So keep keep checking back. And, and when you do that, smash the like button on whatever Bob video is up there. And remember, <laughs> God's make house calls. Well said. See you in the parrot room.